This is Labor Day weekend. A little poetry is in order. Two fools had cars they thought perfection. They met one day at an intersection. <laughs> Tooted their horns and made connection. A police car came and made inspection. An ambulance came and made a collection. All that is left is a recollection and two votes less in the next election. <laughs> so stay close to home, okay? <laughs> It'd just be better for you to be around here. God bless you. If you don't want to even go home, just stick around. There are water fountains, get a drink, and just wait till tonight. <laughs> Well, we start a new series this morning. I do a lot of series preaching, as you know, so that we'll just kind of keep our heads and our hearts together over periods of time. And I felt like we ought to go through the Gospel of John in the next several months, looking at the personalities that made up that first congregation. Next Sunday, my message is, did Jesus come to your wedding? And as a part of next Sunday morning service, I am going to remarry a lot of folk who did not have Jesus at their wedding, first wedding. We're going to have another wedding. I think it's going to be a very special service next Sunday morning as we look at the miracle at Cana of Galilee. So you stay with us through this whole series. It takes us right up into 1986. And we start with a great fellow whose name is Andrew, the man of enthusiasm. I kind of chuckled myself driving down the freeway the other night, and I looked over at the sign. It was dark, and the lights were on the front, and the sign was lit up, and it showed up real well. It said, Pastor Cole, 9 and 11 a.m., a man of enthusiasm. <laughs> it's not Pastor Cole I want to speak about. It's Andrew, a man of enthusiasm. I want to be one, I think I am, but uh, I really have come to talk to you about Andrew. Great fellow in the New Testament, but not too much written about him. So we have to try to see what's here about this man. Matthew 4, 18 to 20 will help us a little bit, along with the reading from John 1. Now Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers... Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. That verse is important. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Church signs. I just thought of another one. This has nothing to do with my message. I just have to tell you, it just came to my mind. It has to be anointed. The sign in front of the church said, no healing service tonight due to the pastor's illness. <laughs> Gotta watch those church signs. We do not have the details of the afternoon that was spent with Jesus recorded here in the Gospels, but Andrew came away filled with assurance of Christ's messianic glory. When he met Jesus that day, he was never the same again. His heart was charged with new vitality by his contact with the Christ. 
as it should be with all of us, and it should remain that way till we die. John Wesley said in describing his first contact with Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I think we can say amen to that as we think of our encounter with Jesus. Andrew must have felt that way, and as he encountered the Christ and got excited about him, he went out to find his brother. His brother was the better known of the two. Peter, Simon Peter, upon this rock, the testimony that Peter gave, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I will build my church. Andrew made a great discovery, and great discoveries make you want to tell others. When I discovered Mary Ann, I wanted to tell everybody. And it is that way with those things we find in life that we call discoveries. Archimedes, the Greek mathematician and inventor who lived about 200 years before Christ, after making a great scientific discovery, rushed out into the streets of Syracuse in Sicily, shouting, Eureka, Eureka, I have found it, I have found it. And that's where the cry came when California discovered gold. Out of that period, 200 years before Christ, Archimedes discovered something and he shouted, I have found it, I have found it. The psalmist had experiences so beautiful and powerful that in his delight he cried out, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, verse 8. Andrew's action is not a strange action. He left Jesus gripped by a mighty conviction, elated by a soul-stirring discovery. He could not rest until he found his brother and told him the good news. There is power in a positive, earnest enthusiasm. And I pray that every one of you will leave here with it today, just like Andrew had it in his day. Two things in my message today. One is that we are born to be enthusiastic, and then secondly, that enthusiasm comes out of obedience. Did you know you were born to be enthusiastic? Well, if it's new news to you, I'm glad to be the one to tell you. But God framed you to be enthusiastic. That word is derived from two Greek words, en and theos, en and T-H-E-O-S, T-H-E-O-S, that's it, which means God in us, God in us. A young, far-out intellectual said recently, this is an age of cynicism. The in people are all cynical, only the out-of-it people are enthusiastic. Well, then I belong to the out-of-it generation, if that be the case, because I'm excited about life. God in me gives me that excitement. Maybe the reason so many young people are mixed up today is that they have missed the great ability of God to come and live in us, as was so with Andrew, this follower of Jesus Christ. I was asked to come some time ago to a high school in, in the city, to speak to a sociology class. They were discussing religion. And they wanted a minister there. So I went, and I had not been in the public school classroom for some time. And to tell you the truth, I was a little bit shocked. 
I sat on the edge of the desk there in front, trying to be casual, not trying to look like a preacher, whatever that is. <laughs> but I knew when I was introduced as Reverend Cole, I, I saw this strange look come over their face. Really? A real live preacher? Here? And I sat there casually answering their questions, observing their actions. They slumped down in their seats. There was about this much space between their rear ends and the back of their chairs. There was about as much enthusiasm in that room as in an operating room of a hospital. Their faces were drawn, and they wanted to get rid of that class quicker than anything you could imagine. And I thought, my stars, what's the matter with this group of kids? They're 16 to 18 years of age, and they're closer to death than I am. And it occurred to me that as they were slouched there in their seats, they had nothing to live for. As the question and answer period developed, that became very clear to me. There was nothing in their future of excitement and thrill. Their whole thing was, how am I going to get through today? Where will I find enough drugs for today? Where will I find enough Bread for today. How will I get rid of this class that I'm in right now? You know, it's sad to be 18 and look like 80. But that's the generation that we're in. The reason is we have lost this quality of human nature. We were born to be enthusiastic, but the devil has robbed us of our enthusiasm by sin. Andrew met Jesus, and after that he ran everywhere he went. He ran to get Peter. He ran to tell the good news. We can be in church and have our feet stuck clear down in front of us, under the seat in front of us, and look half dead as well. And when I'm standing here trying to tell you that man is born enthusiastic, I have to convince myself looking in some of your faces. <laughs> but it is true. Sit up. Hey, it's this wonderful Christ that makes us alive and makes tomorrow exciting and worthwhile. I was umpiring a district high school baseball game some years ago in the Northwest, two outstanding high school teams, and there was a shortstop on one of these teams that was a dynamo. He looked like Pete Rose in high school. He ran on the field. He ran off the field. He ran when he got a walk to first base. He ran everywhere, and he was just Mr. Enthusiasm, and he got me so caught up in his enthusiasm that when the game ended, I ran over to where he was, and I said, Young man, I want you to know how impressed I am with your enthusiasm. I like to see a young man who plays the game like that. Umpires aren't supposed to do that. You're supposed to get out of there, but I couldn't help it. This young man just impressed 
impress me with his desire and his hustle and his willingness to be a part of everything that was going on. I can't help but think as I stand here today that we need an infusion of the same thing in this game that we're involved in, this game of life. And as Jesus Christ takes over our lives, whatever our hand finds to do, we do it with our might. We do it with everything that's within us. We sing with enthusiasm. We pray with enthusiasm. We worship with enthusiasm. We listen with enthusiasm. There's a holy amen rising up within us. God in us. That was Andrew, that disciple of the Lord who met Jesus that day in such a powerful way. Time Magazine has quite an article on Pete Rose. They call him Mr. Hustle. He runs to first base all the time. He's 44 years old. This week will probably break the oldest record in baseball, the most hits, that's held by Ty Cobb. You've got to admire a man that stays fit like he is and still running like he runs and hustles like he hustles. And the magazine gives the credit to what? Enthusiasm. That impresses me, that he stayed healthy so long and he's able to keep his eye on the ball yet at 44 years of age because of his spirit of enthusiasm. My gracious, some folk you think you'd have to pull around by a rope to get them moving. <laughs> not Andrew, not this follower of Jesus. Filled with Christ, he ran to tell his brother and he moved about with an enthusiasm that never left him. You'll never find a black spot on the page of Andrew's life. Emerson said, every great and commanding movement in the annals of the world is the triumph of enthusiasm. Henry David Thoreau said, none are so old as those who have outlived enthusiasm. The Catholic layman magazine said, every man is enthusiastic at times. One man has enthusiasm for 30 minutes, another for 30 days, but it is the man who has it for 30 years who makes a success of his life. And I believe that. God made you to get a bang out of life. Andrew hustled around enthusiastically, bringing people to Jesus. He first findeth his brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. Oh, what a discovery, Peter. Come come, and he brought him to Jesus. It's a shame when you have to drag yourself to work on Monday and you're not enthusiastic about this world that God put you in. Hey, you're never going to get to be a part of another one. This is it, folk. You might as well enjoy it. You're not going to get off. You're here for a while. Put your heart into it. And when Jesus Christ becomes a part of your life, the world ought to know there's something real in that life. It's exciting to see people come to Christ like Andrew and immediately go find someone to witness to, which brings up another matter that often when we've been around this thing a while, we don't bring anybody to Jesus. There's not a whole lot of bang in life. It's like the church at Ephesus in Revelation. They lost their first love, and the Lord said, I have something against you because of that. Those of you who have been around here a while, 
I hope that you will feel what you felt years ago and you will sense in the life of Andrew something that you need and something that maybe you're even longing for. It's that new touch. It's that new fire. It's that fresh visit to the altar of God. It's that anointing that breaks the yoke and makes life meaningful and powerfully exciting. Andrew was that way, and you can be that way too. I believe God made us to love life, to love every day and everybody and be able to move through seven days a week with a confidence and an assurance and an excitement that makes people say, whatever it is that that person has, I want it. Not to classify us as a religionist and say, oh, it's just another of those religious kooks, but to have enough of the fire of God and the joy of Jesus Christ and the enthusiasm of the Lord to make a difference. When I was in Bible school, I was married two of the years that I was there. And as a result, we stayed in that city during those summer months, two years. And I had to get work during the summer, and I found a job as a relief driver for a milk company, a country dairy. Their men were going on vacations, and I would take their routes during their vacation period. Well, I would have to ride with each man two or three days to learn the route, and then he would go on vacation, and I would do the route for two weeks, whatever his time was. And as I was riding with these guys, I thought, what in the world is the matter with these fellows? They were so slow. They were so much a drag. They wanted to stop every hour for coffee and this and that, and it was taking us all day to deliver the milk. And was I ever glad when they went on vacation because then I had it all by myself. Up at three in the morning out there to pack the truck full of milk and put the ice blocks on top and into town by five when we could start officially to deliver the milk. And I learned how to drive one of those trucks that don't have a seat. You stand up and drive. You know those old milk trucks? Those were fabulous. Takes a little bit to learn, but I learned quick. And I learned how to make that truck stop on its own while I was running to the porch. <laughs> Terrific. You learn how to set those controls, and the thing just comes to a stop, and you're on the move. And I got back to the dairy two hours before any of the other drivers ever got back. The first day, i never forget it, Mr. Okino himself, it was the Okino dairy. He came out to the truck. He said, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, I said, I'm through. I'm unloading the bottles. Well, he said, you can't be through. I said, I'm through. He opened the door of the truck to see if there was anything in there. He thought it was full of milk. Well, he said, how did you get back here so soon? Well, I said, Mr. Okino, let me tell you something. Your drivers are good guys. They're wonderful men, but they waste a lot of time. And I just like to get things done. You know, it gets hot in Missouri in the middle of the day, and I wanted to get home. I didn't want to be out there peddling sour buttermilk. And so I just get the job done. And he walked away, kind of scratching his head. But it's interesting what it did to the dairy. <laughs> it's amazing how those guys started to come back sooner. And uh, how the, the dairy products sold. And it's just a matter of enthusiasm for what you're doing and not acting like this is a day of the biggest funeral of your life. 
That's the way they were living life and conducting their business. I hate cottage cheese, but I made cottage cheese look attractive. Ooh, it's horrible stuff. Gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. It's the one thing I've never been able to take. I don't think it was born in God's heart. I don't. But you can sell it if you have to. I learned that. And it's a lot like life, folk. If you put much into it, you'll get much out of it. It's that simple. Come with enthusiasm. I looked at a fellow across a breakfast table one time who was going to sing in our church. Never met him before. He had a flannel shirt on, a big bushy beard, and syrup was running down his beard. But when he sang in our church and he thumped his foot on the floor and he strummed that guitar and he sang with his might and he loved Jesus, Barry McGuire made me cry. He was so in tune and so alive with Jesus Christ that he made me want to know him better. We're born to be enthusiastic. Our two little grandsons have been with us this week, and last night when I got home, my wife had a pot of stew. It was their last meal because their folks got back last night and picked them up. And when I got there, they were already eating their stew, and uh, one of them said, Grandma, this is the best stew in the whole world. Hmm. And I watched, and... The other one, he finally came to the point where was a little bit left on his plate, and both hands went up in the air, and Luke said, Praise the Lord, I'm through! <laughs> you talk about enthusiasm, man! Then I came here this morning, and Rick tells me about their situation at their house, little Lane, she's two, she got a shot in her leg this week, and you know, those hurt. Why do they put it in the lake? Anyway, these kids, for a, a day, they can't walk. You know, it swells up, and she's sitting around, and Nathan's praying for her. The family's praying for her. The next day, she gets off the Davino, and she starts to walk, and she says, Praise the Lord, I'm healed! And Nathan says, Oh, it's a miracle! God is alive! He is up there! You're born that way, but you lose it so soon. That's the way God made us. But, oh, you can lose it with your stupidity and your, your attitude. But Andrew, when he, when he met Jesus, he was so full of enthusiasm, he said, this is the best thing since Leatherby's. I'm going to go find Simon and bring him to Jesus. And he went and brought his brother to Jesus, filled with enthusiasm. Are you with me? The world's waiting. Come alive, like Andrew. Well, secondly, I said that enthusiasm comes out of obedience. You just don't say, well, praise God, I'm going to be, I'm going to be enthusiastic. You could be the biggest louse in the world, and it'll never work until you become obedient because Matthew 4.20 says, and they straightway left their nets and did what? Followed him. 
See, that's where it comes from. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. When he saw Peter and Andrew casting a net into the sea, he simply said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And everybody that hears me today has that same message from the Lord. Follow me and I will make you. Get that. Just stop right there. Follow me and I will make you. But, oh, we don't want him to make us. We want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way. We want to try this. We want to try that. Enthusiasm comes out of obedience. Follow me and I will make you. God in us. Have we missed it? Parents who don't teach their children that. Doesn't come out of education. Comes out of God in us. Comes out of obedience. It comes out of listening and doing what God says. That's where it comes from. Most folks have an excuse. They didn't offer one. They just got up and followed him. I'm too busy. Oh, that doesn't work. I've got too much going. If God calls you, you'd better get up and follow him. If you don't, your life's going to end up in ruin. With enthusiasm, Andrew leaped to his feet and got in line following after Jesus Christ. You have felt his presence. You have heard his voice. You have felt his tug at your heartstrings. Now get up and do something about it and let this king of glory come in. When does a real contact with Jesus come? Only when a hungry heart turns to him in complete surrender. All summer long, I felt that desire building in our church, a desire for real surrender. The services have been good. The seeking God on Sunday nights after service has been powerful on occasion. It's sort of a foretaste of what's ahead if we will just come to where Andrew was and surrender to what the Lord wants. Peter and Andrew didn't stand there and argue. They did not question. They just dropped everything and ran. A complete break with former companions and former relationships. They, they knew somehow that they could not walk in two ways, that it doesn't work. You can't walk both directions. You have to decide. And they decided to follow after Jesus. May I say to you today, don't center your life after pleasure. Don't center your life in self-indulgence, but in the living Christ, 100% consecration is what he desires, and then the job comes alive, the marriage comes alive, the education process comes alive, church comes alive when there's 100% commitment to the one who says, come on now, follow me, and I will make you, and I will form you, and I'll frame you. And you get up and say, yes, Jesus, I'll do it. I'm not going to argue with you. I'll do it. Phillips Brooks, the great preacher of Boston and songwriter, was walking down the street at noontime in Boston one day, throngs of bankers and clerks going to lunch, and he got so enthused with the feel of the street, he opened his mouth and began to sing one of the great hymns at the top of his melodic voice, totally unconscious of those that were around him and oblivious to anybody not liking what he was doing, so filled with God that he couldn't hold it back. That's what our world needs. We're so embarrassed, so embarrassed to talk about Jesus, so embarrassed to sing our songs. 
The world doesn't seem very embarrassed. They parade their nudity. They parade their rock in front of us. They parade their sadism. They parade their filth in front of us without seemingly any reluctance. Where is that enthusiasm that's supposed to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ? We've got it. Let's flaunt it. You remember when President Kennedy died and they put the eternal flame over his grave? Most all of us have been there to see it one time or another. That eternal flame burns without stopping. Years ago, many congregations were used to the enthusiastic amen of a worshiper or worshipers. In many places today, it would cause heart failure. What's happened? The flame's gone out. Now, let's just flat out admit it. The enthusiasm isn't there. It's a drag. They go through motions, but there's nothing there. Christianity is an enduring flame. It's still burning. It should be the desire of every soul to have a more personal, intimate acquaintance with Jesus and a greater enthusiasm about his world. That's what we've come together for today as we start the Gospel of John. Be like Andrew, who was so filled with Jesus, he ran brought his brother and ministered as Jesus Christ gave him opportunity in obedience to his call. That's why I like him so much. He ran after Jesus. In some places today, some of you have told me of when you've come home from vacations, you visited churches and how dead they were. One such place, preacher preached a great message and this person filled with enthusiasm for Jesus shouted, Praise the Lord! And I'm not kidding you. An usher came, tapped him on the arm and said, We don't praise the Lord in church. Boy, <laughs> what an epitaph. You know you can be dead and not know it. <laughs> there are some folk who don't even need an embalmer. Just lay them away. They're, they're as dead as they'll ever be, and you'll never change the way they look. <laughs> but that's why we've gathered in church today, to get kind of excited. Jesus saved me from a life of sin. What did he do for you? He saved me from all that I'm reading about that causes heartache and difficulty in this world. He gave me something to live for. He touched my life. He changed me, and he gave me a home eternally. And I want to be so turned on for him that everybody's going to know that that's my major thing in life. You get a lot of good gospel out of peanuts sometimes. Lucy is seated in her comfortable beanbag chair watching television. She asks Charlie Brown, how about getting me a dish of ice cream? Mint. Make sure it's mint. Charlie Brown returns with a dish of green ice cream. Lucy smiles and says, thank you. Then in the next frame, her face is perplexed and she sticks out her tongue. This doesn't taste like mint. Charlie Brown says, all we had was vanilla. But you know, you can do amazing things with a green felt tip. I love it. 
Hallelujah. You may think you were born with a little less than somebody, but it's amazing what you can do with enthusiasm, with obedience. Enthusiasm makes a difference. And Andrew, when he met Jesus, became entheos, filled with God. Friends, there's no better way to go. I feel like shouting with the advertising agency today, try it, you'll like it. There's nothing better, nothing more satisfying. And what it produces is the fruit of John chapter 15. When you're abiding in the vine, you are producing the fruit that lasts, that is eternal, that will never fade, nor never die, nor never wane. It will be there for you on the other side. But you've got to get enthusiastic. Let's not let the fires of holy enthusiasm die in the church. There are too many churches dead now. We need to let the fire burn. We need to let the joy of Jesus mount and manifest itself in a world that doesn't know why anybody would leave the normal routine by the sea and run after Jesus. But when you meet him in his majesty and in his glory and in his power, you want him with everything in your being. And you can never stop loving him nor serving him when you've met him in the way Andrew met him long ago. He got up, ran after him, and then he went everywhere bringing people to him, starting with his own brother. Let's us start today. What do you say? As we move into a fall of the year and time when people are beginning to settle in, let's see what God will do when we have God in us manifested to the world. Let's pray. I would ask that everyone now remain until we have finished and we have sung our benediction so that people may, without interruption, find Christ and receive of his grace. Remember, obedience is the second step after realizing that you are born enthusiastic. Now, as you move into your adult life, you have to obey in order for that God to manifest himself through your life. Father, thank you for your word. It's so simple, yet so powerful, so majestic. Oh, God in heaven, Come, we pray, to touch this congregation of worshipers with enthusiasm. Not the kind that's by a beat of music or some other means, a touchdown or something of that sort, but something that comes from way down within the presence of Christ in the life. Let it all emanate from there. And then we can enjoy the other things that you've given us with the right meaning attached. Lord Jesus, save sinners among us today. May they come from darkness to life and light and find that in him there is no darkness at all. May they take that step of obedience and may believers who have grown cold 
take that step of obedience today and find out what it means to be on fire for God again. While our heads are bowed, people are praying, asking God to touch their neighbor in their own life. May I ask if you've come to church today without Jesus, if you know you're not a Christian, you can be. By a simple act of faith, Jesus, come into my life. I need you. I'm a sinner. I want to pray for you today and with you. I'd like you to indicate your need by raising your hand wherever you are seated. Hold it there until I see your hand, then you may put it back down again. Thank you over here to my right. God bless you. I see your hand there. Back here in this section, I see a hand. God bless you back there. Back to my left, yes, way over by the far wall, I see your hand. God bless you there. Another in this section to my left, toward the middle. God bless you there, up in the balcony on the left-hand side. Thank you up there. Hold them till I see them, then you may take them down. Others, raise them up in the back. Another, God bless you, over to the left. Hold them there until I see the hand, please. And then we're going to pray together. Do you know Jesus? Are you ready for heaven? Are you ready to be enthusiastic the Bible way, the real way? Let Jesus come in. Find that to be meaningful today. Other hand, just quickly as I look across the audience, lift it up. By that hand, you're saying, I want Jesus to come into my life. I invite him in right now by faith. Raise it up quickly. Join these others as I look. Yes, thank you, sir. God bless you over here. God bless you over here. Thank you. God bless you, sir, back there. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank God for these. Tell you what. With our heads still bowed, except those who raised their hands. Staff, would you just come to the front? And those of you who have raised your hands, would you come up front? Let us pray together here in front. I want to give you a tape and a booklet today. Just get up and come to an aisle right now so we can get close for this time of prayer. And while you're getting up to come, may I ask those of you who are yet seated with heads bowed, is Jesus Christ number one? Do you feel warmth in your spirit today? If you don't, you need to get to where Jesus is again. Become hot for Christ in this wicked world. It's my burden for you today. Would you like to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I, I want that. I really want to get back to where I should be with God. Would you raise your hand real high? without shame or embarrassment, just testifying of your moving toward him now like Andrew when he said, come, follow me. God bless you. You're doing it. Thank you. Let's stand without breaking the spirit as I lead in prayer all over the auditorium. Let's lift one another up in prayer to God that his spirit will touch and abide and move in our hearts. Father, for these that are here at the front, May your spirit so touch them that they will know that on this day they passed from death unto life. They became a follower of Jesus Christ. And those who raised their hands saying, I need God anew in my life. I need a new flame, a new fire. Oh, Lord, move across this audi audience. Touch us, draw us nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to your precious bleeding side. Oh, God, put that flame in us again. 
Let it burn brightly today until there's enthusiasm that's bursting forth from all of our life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands and thank him for his presence. Whatever you have need of, ask him to come and meet your life right now. And if you need to come to the front, you come as we're worshiping the Lord. Let there be a spirit of praise and fire and newness that spreads through this place. Hallelujah. Jesus, bless my brothers and my sisters. Meet them right where they stand, with their hands raised. May they feel the wind of God blowing on their face into their hearts, Lord Jesus. Meet them in a special way. And together, may we take this city for Christ. May we see our family members saved, our work associates converted. May children, as they go to the schools this week and on through the year, be mighty examples of God's Word and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep our youth, Lord, from evil and sin, and may they with enthusiasm serve God, follow after the Lord. God, put your spirit within each one of us anew and afresh today. May we have enough of God in us that it will draw us back in the evening for fellowship and growth and in the middle, middle of the week for fellowship and growth and at special times, oh God, that we will find ourselves together getting closer to God and closer to each other. Jesus, put that within us today. May we go from here on happy, excited feet praising and blessing your name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.